Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Asia Town Voice. Asia Town Voice is an hour-long nonprofit program on WJCU's 88.7 FM radio. We're on every Sunday from 7 to 8 p.m. This hour-long program provides you with an inside look at the Amer- at the Asian American and Pacific Islander Americans community, culture, education, and events going on in Northeast Ohio. Asia Town Voice is volunteer-based, and we hope that you, the listener, will enjoy our program and give your support to WJCU. This way, we can continue to provide many voices with many choices to you. My name is Yen Tang. I am the normal host, my nickname. Also here with me is Johnny Wu. <laughs> the ghost host. Yes, he is our ghost host, but he will actually be joining us today. Yes. And also with us is DJ Alexicon. Woot woot who does DJ Lexicon's corners of our upcoming events and shout-outs. And our special guest today needs no introduction. It is nope. Wayne Wong. <laughs> I wow. need my gong. In, uh, in triple stereo, right? <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. And Wayne has been involved uh, with uh, Cleveland Asian Festival as a board member, currently a board member of OCA. And I think you've seen her in one for her. You'd seen him in one form or another as a host of Cleveland Asian Festival. Lunar New Year, and did I miss any hosting gigs that he did in the I past? Think he he uh, was a guest speaker at the Cleveland Public Library this year. Guest speaker at Cleveland Public Library. Actually, more than just one guest speaker. He's yeah. been guest speaking a lot, a of, lot places. of places. And he is uh, Mr. Lisa Wong. <laughs> Mr. Lisa Wong, that is true. <laughs> um, the, the recent president-elect, uh, Lisa Wong of OCA Cleveland, um, Wayne is her husband, and uh, we forgot to mention he's also the winner of the Asian American Engineer of the Year Award in 2013. That's right. It's very impressive. Yes. Where did you get to go for that? Dallas, Texas. Uh, mm-hmm. it, was, it, was, it was put on by the uh, Chinese Institute of Engineers. It's a national organization, and you know they had uh, uh, a nomination process where uh, different companies, different organizations nominated some of their employees and I was fortunate enough to go through that process and uh, was selected. So they did a really good job in terms of hosting Lisa and myself. This was last year, 2013. Uh, we had a weekend event there nice. with, uh, with a black tie uh, uh, gala. Um, very impressive event. Um, what surprised me most was once I got there, they had this huge, you know, two foot by three foot portrait that they uh, painted in uh, gray tones. So wow. now I have this huge portrait of my <laughs> wow. face, wow. which I did not expect. The interesting thing about it is when I got home, um, I have two children, and uh, <laughs> I had it just kind of sitting on a desk. And my daughter later tells me, she's like, Dad, where are you going to put that? Because it kind of freaks me out. <laughs> <laughs> Kids, they don't know how important <laughs> it is. Yeah. But we were very proud of you. We were very proud of yeah. your accomplishment because you represented us. Now, before we get into uh, more details of what position uh, Wayne actually uh, has that got him uh, this award, why don't we go back real quick and do the impressions of the week? Sounds DJ Lexicon, good. would you like to start? Yeah, my impression of the week is, um, you know, changes, changes. Because um, I posted in my uh, Facebook site that the, the wind of changes is blowing my direction. So, you know, I think uh, my impression is just... Wind? Yes, yes. <laughs> I think my impression is um, when you think changes only occur when you're young, it, some some people think that, oh, I, changes will only happen when you're young. There's a lot of changes. But I think at this point, no matter how old you were, you know, changes will always occur. And, you know, if it's for the good or for the bad or whatever, that we should be open to it to see where the possibilities take us. 
Well, that's very nice. And, um, you know, some people say that the year of the horse, which is this year, is also the year of major changes. Oh, really? Well. Yeah. Ah. Changes mostly um, in terms of success, but in other very things as well. Interesting. So, uh, Johnny Wu, the ghost host. The ghost host. Do you have any impressions? <laughs> did you uh, did you haunt any new places? <laughs> no. Yes. Um, well, what about what about the, your uh, indie movie that's coming out, Trace? Yes. Oh yeah, we uh, we just finished. I'm actually almost done doing the sound effect for it, so I can do all the mixing. Crash! It, boom! I know. Not only that, there's so many punches <laughs> in there. <laughs> yeah, and problem with all the, all the sound effects is I cannot make them finalize until we have the music score, which is Aria's going to put the score in. Oh, yeah. nice. The fun thing about this one, this is a Doctor Who fan film, mm -hmm. and we are uh, incorporating a lot of uh, Japanese-style drummings in there. Mm. So when they're running, will be drums only. So we make it very much Asian-style Doctor Who. What kind of cool. drums are you thinking? Timpani? Taiko drums. Taiko. Yeah. Oh. Taiko drums. Nice. So are you, are you hitting celery for the punch sounds? I have no idea yet. What? That's, that is something that uh, Aria is going to do. I, I, I'm, my job right now is just put together the sound effects, and then uh, we all check the color corrector twice, do two different versions to see which one I like. Uh, but it's, that's a tedious process. But my goal is to get it done by the end of the April so we can have a huge premiere party. Yeah. Wait, at the end of April? Right before the Asian Festival? Yeah. <gasps> it's a few weeks away. <laughs> uh, I, I can pull it off. I mean, I'm almost done. He's just not going to sleep for the next. What are your sleep is overrated. <laughs> any further plans for distribution in this film? Because this is a sci-fi film that Correct. should this definitely is, do you get not, attention. We, because this is a fan film, we're not allowed to distribute it for. Oh for pay. yes, yes. But it can be shown to festivals. Can be shown anywhere you want to, and then promote it out there. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, we have a lot of surprise guests for the future uh, because we have friends from UK who happen to be very close friends with the actual Doctor Who mm. cast. Wow. Like, uh, maybe so, in the film gathering? <laughs> yeah, I was no, say. it's not going to happen. That. No, no, <laughs> no, this is totally different. Uh, so they may gonna get them have a cameo, hopefully, and cross my fingers. Yes, cameos. Mm. Awesome. awesome. Nice. Yeah, but it's gonna it's gonna be very different from from if you like Doctor Who, you watch a lot, and then you notice this is a little bit different because we actually started a totally nothing to do with Doctor Who, and then get into the storyline. Uh, oh, really? So, so it should it be good kind of a... for people who don't are, who are not into Doctor Who. <laughs> like will me. they understand it? <laughs> Correct. Like, you will. like Yin, the normal host. Well, I saw, I I I saw the, the trailer for it, and yeah. it's a bunch of guys. It's two guys fighting martial arts, and then all you see are sneakers. Yeah. And I guess the concept is the sneakers is Doctor Who eventually, but you don't actually see anything other than right. his feet. Do so. you see the brand of the sneakers? No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> here's, here's the thing. There, there's one doctor who always wears sneakers. Yeah. Is that a, the cameo? Well, I'm not going to make no! it. Oh, damn it. Yeah. That was close. That was close. You almost made him say it. <sighs> I did not say a thing. See, I wouldn't know <laughs> who it is. Um, I guess it's my turn to Your do my turn. Impression. Yes, you, since you have a long one. I, I do have a very long one this week, but I thought it was very impressive. Uh, one of my Facebook friends, which is actually one of my sister's friends who added me as a friend, but she m posted this post on Facebook, and I just thought it was just so... It really struck a chord with me, and I think with a lot of uh, Asian Americans, they could probably relate to it as well. So I'm just going to read this whole thing to you. Now, I asked for her permission if I can mention her name, but she hasn't gotten back to me yet, so she'll remain anonymous until she says so. Anyway, it goes like this. Second-generation Asian children are doomed to fail. They have self-destruction written into their genes. Second-generation Asian children in America, in particular, are born with an extreme disadvantage. For an example, asking, do you want the last piece? And secretly thinking, please say no. But if someone says yes, you would say, no, it's okay, you have it anyway. But secretly thinking, I want it so much. And then you would say, no, please, I insist. 
In traditional Asian culture, you're taught to deny yourself again and again. I suppose this is to be polite. Even if you really want something, you're taught to decline it. However, on the flip side, Asian culture also condones offering again and again to someone who declines. It is this equal push-pull relationship that builds the lasting foundation of our delicate mannerisms. Even if we have to lie through our teeth, we will deny ourselves in order to give off a selfless, selfless, and holistically undemanding demeanor. However, I've noticed in American culture that you're offered things a limited amount of times, not because Americans are more selfish or less cultured, but rather they're more realistic. They offer out of sincerity, and when you refuse, they believe that you are just as sincere in your refusal. Furthermore, it's also acceptable to proactively ask for things that you want. Hey, do you mind if I have that last piece? The same applies to compliments. A good Asian child always responds to a compliment with a harsh self-criticism. <laughs> Asian children are also taught that everything they deserve will be offered to them, and what they are not offered, they have no right to desire. Believing that your future success is in the hands of other people creates a very toxic, self-esteem-crushing environment. It becomes hard for children who grow up molded in the Asian way of self-denial to thrive in a culture that expects you to take what you need and fight for what you want. I've learned from the hundreds of times that I've craved. Oh, I learned from hundreds of times that something I craved slipped through my fingertips because I was too afraid to speak up. I learned from the times that I lost valuable opportunities because I chose to embrace deeply ingrained false humility rather than retain a healthy amount of pride in my achievements. I learned from the times when I politely declined something and expected it to be offered again. I learned from the times when I watched other braver people take what should have been mine. I know now that if I put due effort, then I should be unashamed to claim what I rightfully earn. I deserve to be proud. I deserve to succeed. So I'm wondering,、uh, for those of you in the room, how many of you、uh, did any of that strike a chord with you? I fell asleep. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Shame on you.、Ooh. That's okay. You're from Panama. You don't count. Yeah, I know. <laughs> He's from Panama. Strike Panama. a chord of A. <laughs> But you know, it's like, for me, I mean, I know definitely there are times where I've offered things that I've wanted. But I'm like, no,、nah, it's probably better off that I didn't eat that extra cookie. I'll just steal one from yeah, Johnny. Yeah, I could relate to yeah, that. Yeah, I noticed、uh, my cookies and my my <laughs> chocolate are all disappearing here. I could relate to the to the persistent invitation to eat, or、mm -hmm. I think that's human nature. But you know, one experience I like to bring up is when I first came to the U.S. in 1985, and my cousin who was born here is Americanized. I was like. Persistently asking him something, and then he said he, he was like, I think, ten years old. He said, "Don't force me. I'm an American citizen." <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, because he was born here. He's not used to being, you know, you know, persistently asked to eat or to do something. Well, do you know the thing that my parents or all my older friends tells me all the time when when they want me to eat something and I don't like or I not want to eat. Is you look skinny. <laughs> you need to eat. I know.、Uh. I, I think that's common too, because that's common in my culture too. Even those who are who I think don't need to eat some more, they say, "Oh, you're skinny. You gotta eat something." Yeah, it, it's just these words come out, but and, it doesn't and, really. And now my mom's calling me fat. <laughs> really?、Oh, you better not eat,、face. Johnny. <laughs> well, Wayne,、uh, you're second generation,、mm -hmm. right? Oh, this applies to Wayne. Did you? Did you really?、Um, did any of this really? Well, so, so I mean, she gave. She gave. Uh, her examples, but I think the the underlying theme and、uh, the thought process certainly is something that many people that、mm -hmm. I'm not going to say all, 
but many people that grow up in the Asian culture and the Asian environment with traditional Asian parents are going to relate to very mm -hmm. strongly. Uh, it doesn't matter if if it's uh, necessarily Chinese or Japanese or Korean. I think I think a lot of the uh, the, the standards that we're talking about in terms of saving face, mm -hmm. in terms of humility, in terms of those types of things, they're they're somewhat um, again we're we're generalizing here, but they're somewhat in, ingrained in um, our behaviors and mm -hmm. the way we react uh, to questions. So there's a lot of um, uh, I, I think there's a lot of truth to what's being indicated here, and it uh, can present a problem for folks in society, whether it's careers mm -hmm. um, or elsewhere, right? I mean, there are people in, in the workplace that um, perhaps aren't going to be as bold about boasting about their accomplishments mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and not pointing out the things that they've been able to accomplish where some of their colleagues that don't have those types of inhibitions mm -hmm. are all about, hey, look at what I did, look at what I did. Mm -hmm. And uh, as a result, they stand out. And so that is a challenge, I think, for, for folks that are, um, that are faced with uh, those types of uh, situations. Right. And, you know, one of those things is, you know, parents and teachers in China, at least the, the short time that I've been in the school system there over summers with tutoring and whatnot, mm -hmm. they actively seek out things that you're doing right and wrong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you're not supposed to really take credit for anything you do right. Like, they'll compliment you, but you're supposed to say, oh, it's nothing. Right. But if you're doing something wrong, oh, dear God, you better, like, beg for forgiveness, you yeah. know? Yeah. So it's just that kind of opposite mentality where here it's like if you make a mistake, it's okay. You dust, dust yourself off and you uh, try it again. Right. Whereas if you do something right, it's okay to say, hey, look at me, I did this and feel good about it but um but enough about my impression do you have anything to add well i was fortunate enough actually just to get back from vacation so uh my nice. family lisa uh and two kids went to orlando this is our uh fourth time there as a family so of course we did the typical uh theme park thing how long we, were you there a week oh yeah. this is a little different the the previous trips we actually stayed at the disney resorts and you know the the folks that organize and arrange those theme parks they are geniuses in terms of how to milk every red cent out they of want to every make you parent. feel good right oh yeah but they you know what they do a great job right so in the past we always stayed at the theme parks um this year we did something a little bit different where we actually got a, a rental home yeah. uh, we shared it with uh with my brother's family and uh, we were able to not just do the theme parks but actually relax in the home it had a pool we were able to sit around and just relax so it was a much-needed break. Yeah. Um, I think mm -hmm. both Lisa and I have been just so busy, uh, always. But uh, uh, the vacation came as a as a as a very much-needed uh, break from all of that activity. I thought the Facebook post was just an old picture, because <laughs> uh, I didn't expect oh, yeah. it to go to uh, to have that vacation. And now I'm finding out that you really went on a a week vacation. Yeah, so. yeah. We went to all four of the Disney theme parks, and we also went to Universal mm -hmm. Studios Islands of Adventure, which of course, has the Harry Potter world. And, uh, <laughs> oh, I can't uh, wait to get back. Yeah, my 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 kids uh, are really into Harry Potter. Um, I'm guilty of getting them involved in that, but but uh, we spent most of our our day uh, at Universal at Harry Potter World again because they do just such a good job of you know wanting to you know show the kids that world and and immerse them in that in that yeah, experience. That's a nice area to go. Do you know they're going to make more episodes now, movies? Yes. Oh, they really? Are. They're I think they're making a prequel 70 years before the what? actual Harry Potter there's three films. Does J.K. Rowling that. know about this? Yeah. Is it, <laughs> is it just the movies or is she writing books? 
She's writing Mo- books. I know that I movie is coming out. Yes. They are planning for the movies right now. Yes. yes. Isn't it ridiculous? I mean, how they they what? Well, it's not ridiculous. This is how Hollywood works. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. not to make innovative movies, but make movies that they can actually make, make out money. Of the best money. That's yeah. Yeah. Star Wars four, five, six. Then they came out <laughs> Star two, Wars one, two, three. <laughs> yeah. Oh, going back to your vacation, do you think that you enjoyed it better that you're staying offsite? Offsite. Because uh, um, when I went there in eighty. 80s we stayed within the park but mm-hmm. i found it stressful even at, as a teenager because wake up morning go to the line get where well, we have a three-day four five-day pass i think mm-hmm. but it was stressful because every waking hour we go to the yeah <laughs> to this um I, it's a different experience right i think with especially with younger kids staying yeah. on the property is so much easier because again they've designed the park to transport you from you know the resort or hotel room that you're at straight to the gate, unload you. So you don't have to deal with the Orlando traffic, which is horrendous uh, right during the times when people are trying to get into the park or leave the park. And then even uh, once you get there, you have to deal with the parking lot situation. And then you have to take a tram uh, to the gate. So you avoid all that by actually staying on the property. So from that perspective, I thought it was a more efficient use of time by staying on the property. On the other hand, I enjoyed this trip because uh, we got to not just do theme parks, right? We also uh, were able to enjoy some of the restaurants oh, outside of outside the theme parks. Here. Right, right. What's, there's what's... Some, yeah, there's some other pretty cool tourist attractions, too, like other theaters locally in mm. Orlando. Oh, yeah. We'll talk about the restaurants. Yeah, the restaurants. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I stopped myself from asking. <laughs> well, actually, why don't, why don't... I know it says on Wayne's bio and his Facebook as well. He loves I taking know. photos why, of different foods at different places. So I wonder what to ask him. You yeah. know, he says he. What What's the one restaurant that you like uh, in uh, Orlando? Orlando. In Orlando, oh, that's going to be tough. I would say that uh, the meal I probably enjoyed the most um, would have been a, uh, and I'm trying to remember the name of it. It's, it's a, well, th- there's so many. Uh, we we actually enjoyed a really good meal. It's called the Portugal Restaurant. Oh. So it's my first time each- eating uh, Portuguese food. Right? What what does that? Uh... <clears throat> so <laughs> so I I was gonna say that and I declined because they didn't have the dish I wanted. Ah. Right. What's uh, this dish? Well, they they had two dishes, which was gonna be fresh octopus. Yes. Right, and I saw it on the menu. I'm like, "That's me. I got it." <laughs> All right, I don't even have to look at anything else. Guess what? They were out yeah, of octopus. <sighs> So I had to order a, a, a steak cooked uh, with uh, its Portugal style. I forget the with name broth? of it. I, I can't even pronounce the name of it. Yeah, it had like a sauce to it. Um, it was good, but I actually – This is along my alley. So. I, I actually, <laughs> actually enjoy my steaks without sauces. Oh. I like them just you know, Rubbed. salt, pepper, a little bit of garlic, and you know, mm. that's perfect for mm. me. So. Interesting. Yeah. Because por- it, Portuguese and Spanish dishes, it's kind of very close to each like other. Mallorca like Mallorca. Like Mallorca. Portuguese yeah. and Spanish restaurant. Yeah. Right. But if it's not this restaurant, then which one would you have picked? Well, so we actually did, uh, because we had um, the family, we actually did a lot of carryout where we were able to get food and, and bring it back to the house and just kind of relax as opposed to I'm pretty to sure you tried around. other foods, right? You oh, didn't. Yeah. You didn't get food that you were eating here in Ohio. No, well, so but we we had Indian one night, we oh. had uh, Japanese another night. Wow, hey. Um, another night, uh, so I, I wanted to go to uh, this this crab food restaurant. It was called Joe's Crab Shack. It's a chain. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a chain. I think it's we... a chain, but we don't have one here in Cleveland. We used no. to, but it went out of business. So it's been a while since I uh, have been able to enjoy that. So uh, we tried that, and that was a good meal. Yeah. 
To our listeners, Wayne is a pro yes. at eating. And he's a connoisseur. <laughs> connoisseur, he too. Connoisseur, yes. I also uh, enjoy watching people eat because we have the, uh, the, 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 eating, a- contest. the eating contest at the Cleveland Asian Festival uh, every year. So we're going to do that again this year as well. So going back to what you were saying, uh, we were saying earlier about your award. Now, um, Wayne here is an engineer with NASA, and we should say he's not here representing NASA. Nope, he just nope. happens to work for them. Yes. Um, can you tell us in general what do you do at NASA? Well, currently I'm the acting branch chief. Um, by branch chief, it's, that's a supervisor of uh, the thermal energy conversion branch. Wow. And um, I've been there for uh, years, <laughs> a long time, right? Straight oh, out yes. of college. Straight well, out of college. Rainey's like Doogie Howser. <laughs> really? <laughs> I've I've been working at NASA straight out of college, um, actually within the same general division. I I work on uh, power systems for various uh, space applications. Specifically, currently, I'm working on something called the Advanced Sterling Converter. So a lot of the missions that NASA has flown in the past, they cannot use solar energy. And these are very long-lived missions. So what is nuclear? What? It's nuclear, so it's it's yeah. uh it's plutonium based, and plutonium is basically a material that just gives off heat. So the challenge is, how can we get the most power, the electrical power, out of that heat? And the way it's been done previously has been very successful. Uh, Voyager, uh, the Voyager missions have Voyager. been yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that there's a Star Trek tie-in is what uh, uh, for the audience that's missed it, and many other missions like that, which uh, ha- are very long-lived. Hmm. Unfortunately, it's very inefficient, and the United States doesn't have a lot of plutonium left. And we still want to do all these science missions. So what we're doing is developing mm-hmm. something called uh, Sterling technology, specifically for these radioisotope applications, wow. where it's much more efficient, and we can get a lot more power out of the same amount of plutonium. We can, we can create it, or...? Well, so the plutonium is something, it's a byproduct of our weapons programs. And yes, of course, yes, we're no yes, longer, yes, we're no longer yes, doing exactly. that, so we wow. have a limited inventory. Yeah. Uh, we are working with the Department of Energy at this point to try to increase uh, or restart the production of uh, plutonium, but that's a very, very long process, and even yeah. when it starts, it's going to be you know, small amounts at a time. Is this research solely in Ohio, or are there different parts in our country that does the similar research? Yeah, there's a lot of different elements to trying to put together a radioisotope power system. Specifically, the Sterling converter that I'm working on, uh, I work with a company in, uh, in Athens, Ohio. So I go down there. I either go down to Athens or I meet them in Columbus at least once a month, sometimes wow. a couple times a month. Um, uh, the, the company's name is SunPower. And uh, I've been working with them for about 11 years now wow. on this technology. Wow. And it started actually as a, as a, a basic technology development effort. And it was so successful that in 2006 timeframe, uh, NASA, along with our partners at the Department of Energy and Lockheed Martin, decided, hey, we need to adopt this technology and accelerate its development for a flight project. So that's what we've been doing in the last uh, several years since then. Mm. Yeah, but uh, it's, it's certainly been very fulfilling, um, and and um, I've been able to uh, work with some very talented folks, not just at NASA, but uh, across the country um, in in 
uh, whether in, in DOE or in some of the uh, other companies that we've been working with as well. That's good to hear. So what got you into engineering? Because uh, we we know, and I'm sure the listeners will know once we mention it, but that you also are very much into comic book art, and you're an amazing mm. oh, artist. Oh, yes, yes. So, and you, there was a guy in Sweden that had a piece of artwork <laughs> that you did that you randomly yeah, that, found? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so... You know, I, I, there are multiple sides to all of us. And mm-hmm. for myself, I have more of the technical side, which is what got me into engineering. But I, I have this other... right brain side, right? Yeah, yeah. well, so I, <laughs> I can't decide. And, in fact, that was the challenge that I had when I graduated from high school. Mm. You know, I, I had to make a choice. Did I want to go into artwork, uh, which I really have a passion for, or do I want to get into engineering? And uh, I had a great high school art teacher that really pushed me towards the arts. I actually took me to Cleveland Institute of Art. Wow. Wow. She's trying to she's trying to get me scholarships and everything, but what tipped the scale for you? What's the defining moment? Because I do have that when I was well, in well ultimately I think it was practicality, right? Oh. Um, with some influence from my parents. But ultimately I it, it's true, there are starving artists out there and there, there and, is. and, and there are. uh you know we, we we have to be practicable practical about uh, the choices that we make. And so engineering seemed like it was the right decision. Interestingly, went through school. I went to Case Western Reserve University, got my engineering degree, started working at NASA. And, you know, and I actually started working on my master's. And a couple years into my career, I just had this itch, this art itch. I had to get back. (laughs) I had to get back into artwork. And uh, I decided, hey, you know what? Um, I'm going to start and I'm going to try to get back into artwork. What's what's a good uh, good thing to get into? And I've always been uh, a fan of comic books, and I said, well, let's try to do that. And so I spent a couple of years building up a portfolio. I spent all of my vacation time traveling the country, wow. going to comic book conventions, um, meeting editors, That's awesome. uh, building up uh, uh, you know uh, sheets that I can send out to various editors and companies. I managed to get a few things published. I actually started a small company really? with a couple of friends, and we self-published a couple of comic oh. books. But then, again, that practical aspect comes in. You, know? <laughs> yeah. you can only do that for so long. And guess what? I I barely made any money off of it. And it requires a lot of hard work, I oh, imagine, yeah. before you get even recognized by comic companies. Yeah. And they're like in major cities. I saw the Marvel offices in California. Yeah. It was basically uh, like two full-time jobs. I had my full-time job at NASA, and then I was trying to do this artwork uh, on the side. I was able to keep that up for a couple of years, but after a while, um, you know, one thing I decided, hey, you know, it's time to get married. So I got married. Lisa and, <laughs> yes, yes. Lisa yeah. can't wait forever. Man. And uh, uh, she, be- she and the family became the priority. And I'm not going to say that that's, that, she, uh, that was the reason why I gave up the artwork. There were other practical reasons as well. Uh, but I certainly enjoyed, um, you know, dabbling uh, in art still once in a while. Uh, I don't have the time to commit to it like yeah. uh, um, I I did back then. So hopefully but, uh, we can get a picture and post yeah. it in our uh, Facebook site. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Maybe you could uh, draw us all as like yeah. superhero characters. <laughs> I, I brought it up because I don't <laughs> want to just. Really? <laughs> I brought it up right now so that you know if I cut and paste, he's not going to sue us. Uh, there paste. you go. <laughs> Speaking of superhero uh, characters at the Cleveland Asian Festival, um, 
Yentang Dance, my my dance group, we might have a Captain America impersonator there. Oh yes, wow. yes. I, I think that's uh... who is a solid lookalike for Chris Evans. Uh-huh. So. Yes, and this is no joke. I mean, when you see this person, you're like, is that you Chris know? Evans? No, that's Chris Jones. Yes, <laughs> because we, we all hear, oh, I got a lookalike friend, but when you look at them, they, they don't look like. Well, <laughs> but this one is so a bad he costume. I mean, he's. He has a T-shirt that that's, looks like the costume. It's is a T-shirt, he, but it's a Captain America. Is he building costume. up too? Well, I mean, he's naturally <laughs> he, he is, he is bulked he's up. He's a lifter. A little bit. Yeah, so, yeah. We gotta but, find him a shield though. Without yeah, I a, have shield. To find a shield. I know we need to because uh, <laughs> the shield at Walmart is small. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, normally it's for little kids. It right? would be funny though if he were the small shield. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Well, Johnny's good with uh, movie props. He should be able to figure out something for a shield for us. Get a shield prop. I'm not paid Captain paying America. attention. So. <laughs> <laughs> the ghost host, he's wandered off and come back. Wandered so. off. It was go drifting. To, go to like toy store and get one of those cheap ones. The little then, tiny ones? Yeah, It'll look small. ridiculous. And, no, I mean, get a big one. And they, they do sell, sell a bigger one. And then use a, a, what do you call those, paint that do for do- doors. They can look like very metallic looking. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. I actually so have again. silver spray paint. There you go. Yeah. Johnny can do it. <laughs> no, I don't do props. I'm a, I'm a director, a producer. Yeah. Oh, come on. You wear different hats. Hell so, no, not that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a break, play you some music, and when we come back, we're going to do DJ Alexicon's Corner.
we're back, ladies and gentlemen, with Asia Town Voice. We're an hour-long nonprofit program on WJCU's 88.7 FM radio. We're on every Sunday from 7 to 8 p.m. This hour-long program provides you with an inside look at the Asian American, Pacific Islander Americans community, culture, education, and events going on in Northeast Ohio. We're volunteer-based and hope that you, the listener, will enjoy our program and give your support to WJCU. This way, we can continue to provide many voices with many choices to you. And now I'm going to turn this over to DJ Alexicon. Hey, hello, everybody. It's my corner again. But uh, for this episode, I'd just like to promote the Cleveland Asian Festival, which Woo! is happening in a few Woo! weeks. So um, at this point, we finalized the lineup for, is it posted in our website? The performances? Yeah, so if you guys want to check out the performances, it's in our website. And this year, we have descriptions of what will be or who will be performing. So when it says uh, karate thing, it will be, there's a little description. We even have a magician in a band. So I'm looking forward to that one. So I think for this episode, that's my main that's my main focus of, uh, of events so that people will tune in and look forward to it, although it's a bit, it's a month away from now, but I just want you guys to to be excited because every year it's bigger and bigger and better. May seventeenth, May seventeenth, and May eighteenth on the corner of Payne and East Thirtieth. Parking is available. There's lots of food from different cultures. You can eat all day. It's well starting eleven a.m. You can eat all day. And there's also a children's area too. Oh yes, yes. Uh, what's in the children's activity. area yet? Hands-on activities for the kids to do. Um, last year, there was some building uh, from Home Depot, and uh, I, actually, we can only confirm what was there last year. We can't really confirm yeah. anything from this year yet. So it'll be a surprise. That's right. We definitely will have activities yeah. for the kids. There'll also be a health pavilion with uh, free health screenings as well. So if you're kind of curious about your blood glucose level or whatnot, come down and uh, get a free screening. And if you think that, um, oh, it's just the same performance from last year, no. For it this year, not. our main national act is... The Philharmonic! Philharmonic. <laughs> and they, they are an L.A.-based a cappella boy band, and they were recently on NBC's The Sing, Sing Off. Off. Yes. We also have another performer, international performer. Oh, yes, that is true. We just confirmed an international performer from Vietnam. Her name is uh, Phuong, and she's uh, here on behalf of her ballet, and she'll be doing a contemporary piece with some uh, Vietnamese influences in there. That's nice. awesome. Yes. And this year we have an unusual performer. Uh, we have a Filipino-Scottish bagpiper. Yes, he'll be playing the Filipino national anthem amongst other Filipino songs Yes, in yes. bagpipe. Yes, and he's he's only 16, 15 years old, so it's really a big talent. Looking forward to that. So what is Wayne's job and responsibility for the Cleveland Asian Festival? Yeah, while we're on that topic, why don't we introduce (laughs) the uh, MC and co-chair of the Performance Committee? Well, I think you pretty much said that, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I've I've been, uh, uh, it's been my pleasure to be part of the festival since its beginning uh, five years ago. This is our fifth anniversary. It's going to be the biggest festival yet, I'm sure. I'm absolutely confident of that. Uh, uh, Yin and Alex talked a little bit already about um, some of the new performers, but we have some of our traditional events uh, as well that are always favorites, right? So we have the Quan Lion Dance team oh, coming yeah. back mm-hmm. uh, Saturday as part of our noon kickoff. Mm-hmm. Um, and this year, one of our new uh, items is going to actually be a dragon 
dance that is uh, co-sponsored by OCA Cleveland, uh -huh. as well as the Confucius Institute uh, as part of Cleveland State University. So that's going to be uh, around noon as well on Sunday. So those are, are definitely um, uh, highlights for the festival. Um, other highlights, of course, are food. I mean, that's a big draw I know. Yeah, for I know. Uh, the community. We have uh, over 20 different vendors that come out to the to the food court. Um, it's not just going to be noodles and fried rice. Nope. Uh, in one in addition to that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's certainly going to be that. But there's a lot of other uh, uh, dishes from all kinds of different yeah. uh, cultures. They're available all in one location. So that's certainly going to be a highlight. But we're... Yin and I spend most of our time, of course, is on stage. Yes. Uh, there are two different stages. Uh, we've had two stages for the last couple of years now. One of them uh, focuses more on performing arts, and the other one focuses a little more on the martial arts. And that's a generalization because, you know, we do have exceptions where we kind of mix, uh, mix those two. But, but uh, the flat stage is just a little bit more suitable for the martial arts. And yes. we have a raised stage yes. for some of our performers. And uh, uh, in the past, you know, we had a lot of other MCs that I've been a had the pleasure of working with um, from the area, uh, local TV anchors and so forth. Um, unfortunately, and this is all just a coincidence, I know. Uh, three of those uh, team members uh, have actually left the Cleveland market and moved to I other cities. Know. I don't and, know what happened last year. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I turned them off. I don't know. But uh, but in any case... Um, Some of them were guests here, too. Actually, oh, yeah. two of them have gotten married, so that's why oh. I'm married, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, but not so, Jason. <laughs> uh, Jason is, like, somewhere happy. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, I can certainly confirm that the Melissa Reed, who is with Fox 8... Uh, has confirmed that she's going to come oh, back awesome. as as uh, one of my co-hosts, and she particularly enjoyed what uh, what we did last, last year. year. She w she helped to host the uh, sushi eating contest. I'm sorry, that was two years ago. She helped to host the sushi eating contest, and she really enjoyed it. So I'm going to try to set it up so that uh, you know she's she's uh, her her shift is during the sushi eating contest, which I believe is going to be Saturday afternoon, mm -hmm. right around four or five, something like that. I don't have the schedule in front of me. Yeah. But the, a lot of things to look forward to, and as Alex said, the schedule is online now, online. so people can uh, check that out. And uh, and and actually, you know, the, I think the best option is for people to spend both days there. Yes. Uh, not even look at the schedule; just come and enjoy because no. yeah. there's so much to do and so much to eat. And uh, I think just for hang the out. eating part, my tip is don't buy one dish. I mean, don't some, buy from one place. Yeah, don't buy from one place. And if you buy from the vendors, just get little samples of everything. Because otherwise, when you get full, because it, it happened to me several times. Where, oh, I was so hungry, but yeah. I was so hungry. I bought a lot. Then I got full. <laughs> I wasn't able to eat all of it to, eat, right. to taste the, the other vendors. So and, if you just you know. and Lisa has, does a great job to make sure every vendor has something different too. And yeah, the, and, and, and in addition to that, I'm sorry to interrupt, mm -hmm. but um, uh, I know that uh, Lisa, who manages the uh, the vendors um, along with her her committee, one of her uh, goals this year is to encourage a lot of the food vendors to diversify, not just have the same dishes that they mm -hmm. brought in the past for those that are returning to the festival, but actually um, perhaps offer desserts or yeah. side dishes to address the exact issue that Alex is talking about. Yes. You know, so that people can sample more as opposed to 
uh, going there to eat a lunch or eat a dinner, yes. you know, um, be able to experience multiple cultures that way. Absolutely. I want some jelly cubes, sweet grass jelly cubes. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, to answer what you were asking earlier, the eating contest, if anybody wants to sign up, uh, you can go to the website. It's at 5 o'clock Saturday and Sunday. And uh, one of them will definitely be egg rolls. And one of them, uh, we're trying to go for a surprise. We'll, okay. we'll announce it yep, uh, yep. closer to the date. Oh, what time can people? Uh, what time can people start hanging out at the festival? About eleven o'clock in the morning. Go visit DJ Lexicon on the flat <laughs> stage. <laughs> I will be playing tunes early. When yeah, I, once I'm set up, I'm start gonna playing. So, if you're there early, just sit down. There are chairs there and hang out and wait until everything start starts. Yeah. You don't want to get there too early though for the general guests because of course there's a lot of setup going. That's on right. That's and, right. And we have trucks uh, going back and forth, yeah, and we don't have get a forklift going back <laughs> It might and be forth, dangerous. We might not let you in. <laughs> 11 o'clock is probably yeah. the, uh, yes. the the best time to show up. Um, you know, we should do a shout-out to George Kwan because yeah. he manages our security, and he makes sure everything runs safe, including some of the things that we just talked about. You know, he has strict rules about when people can come in and set up and so forth. But there's good reasons for that, right? It's yes. to make sure that uh, uh, everyone has a good time and a good safe time. George is there the night before setting so, up. Oh, Wayne, yeah. what was your favorite programming from last year, 2018? Wow, you're really going to put me on the Yeah, spot. we're putting him on the spot. Well, you actually, know, you know what? You're allowed to play the fifth if you really want no, to. No, no. <laughs> actually, um, that's pretty – to me, it, of course, I'm in the community, right? So a lot of the acts that we have I've seen before. Mm -hmm. So to me, every year the highlight is always going to be our national act because I've never seen them before. So that's last true. year we had Chessa. She actually performed for us twice. And you know, I, I've, I've, I, prior to the festival, I saw uh, her videos. Um, you know, when she was competing, um, and and some of the other videos that she's produced. But when you hear her live, it's just a different experience. She has mm -hmm. such a powerful and strong voice. So, um, yeah, it was without question that that was probably the highlight in terms of performances um, uh, from last year. And I think it's true for the year before that when we had instant, instant noodles. noodles, yes. uh, they were, uh, kind of break dance, hip hop, uh, dance crew that came out and they were, they were, uh, spectacular. And prior to that, it was that fan, our, com our Vietnamese comedian who won, uh, last comic standing, uh, a number of years ago. And I'm mm -hmm. sure that this year, when you ask me the same question a year from now, it's going to be, Philharmonic blew us yeah. away. So next year in 2015, when yeah. you're sitting there again, <laughs> it's different live, really. It really yeah. is different live because you feel, you see the, you see and feel the emotion of the yeah. performer. Well, it's, so. they are our national act for a reason, right? Because yeah. they are, you know, we're trying to get uh, uh, the best acts that we can uh, within our limitations yes. and uh, you know Yin's done an awesome job of reaching out to people and trying to make those contacts and this year we've gotten uh, Philharmonic uh, to to uh, come out now Yay. I believe they are actually performing both days correct yes they are yeah. and uh, that is at what time it's I believe through four o'clock. Okay, four o'clock. Yes. And days. I think I'm not sure if they've. Uh, they okay. will be visiting us. Four thirty. Sorry. Oh, four thirty. My bad. Right. Get there early. Four o'clock. Get a four. seat. <laughs> be there at twelve for lunch. <laughs> 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 but um, I think Sing Off is in a tour right now, and they will be hitting Cleveland before May seventeenth. But they, they sure already when. left. They were here March fourteenth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll Sorry. delete that. <laughs> <laughs> no, keep it in. It's funny. <laughs> I'll keep it in. But um, we don't edit. This is live. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. Please call us. <laughs> but what? What else was somebody to say? 
I'm sorry. <laughs> Somebody was saying something, and then we jumped on. I'm sorry. Well, anyway, um, uh, we mentioned last episode that there's a lot more uh, diversity, I think, this year than previous years altogether. We also have a returning performer, um, a Laotian dancer. Um, she's a young lady who will be doing a solo and performing some traditional dances. We also have uh, traditional Korean dances this year, which I'm really excited about. They're oh. going to be doing a mask dance, which I'm not really sure what that is. Who are the dancers? Uh, they're from the Korean Association. Oh, so okay. I'm not entirely sure. Nice, nice. The contact is a, is a woman named Susan, so she's organizing all of it. Um, but good. I'm really excited to see what they have. I mean, based on the description of what yeah, she told me. Yeah, me too. Are they wearing traditional? Oh, of course. Interesting. Why would it should be interesting. It's, it, it's a traditional <laughs> act. <laughs> I mean, I, I do admit that it, it might be a little bit, um, you might be thrown off a little bit because we do have a couple of Korean hip-hop acts. We have two Korean hip-hop acts oh. uh, Sunday evening, so you should come mm. check those out. And we're having uh, the fashion show again this year. Awesome. Twice, right? Twice. We're having it both Saturday and Sunday. Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. And uh, last year, performer Valerie, um, she did an Indonesian dance on the main stage. This year, she won't be dancing, but she'll uh, be in the fashion show and wearing her bridal outfit from oh, her Indonesian wedding. So That should be interesting. Yes, I'm really excited. I you should pictures. have uh, good stories about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen her photos on Facebook. Her dress is gorgeous. So and she said, I quote her, she'll come in full bling. So, Ooh, yes. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to see that. Um, and, of course, uh, we're we're going to uh, dabble a little bit in different time periods. We're trying to put together an outfit for, like, a 1920s uh, Shanghai um, uh, nightclub performing Oh, that should be interesting. Yes, mm. with, like, a boa and everything. So, yeah, nice. and, we're, and a little bit more in other parts of history, too. So mm. we're trying to get a variety in there. And mm. a lot of these models will be wearing their own outfits. And a lot of the models will be wearing my dance costumes. Which will are... <laughs> the uh, only two male models from last year be returning? Um, if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> wearing the same outfit? We do have four uh, male model volunteers. And if you would like to, be more than welcome. I think Aaron doesn't want to because after... Why? Cause my Indian year... garb is ready for him. I have it washed already. <laughs> well, because last year he wore shorts and tennis shoes. And it looked like he was wearing a nightgown and tennis shoes. So. <laughs> He should be ready this year. He doesn't have anything to worry about what to wear. I got the perfect attire for him. Maybe we'll get our Captain American lookalike to take Ooh, his place. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but also, for those of you who are huge fans of our mascots, Cap Panda and Wushu the Dragon, they will once again be there at our uh, Cleveland Asian Festival this year. So Yes. Yeah, you know, Cap, Cap the Panda is always a, a, a hit with everyone. We uh, recently had the pleasure of being part of the St. Patrick's Day Parade. Um, so the Cleveland Asian Festival, along with some of our partner organizations, was part of the parade. And, uh, of course, CAF was there. And, uh, you know, as we're marching along on the parade route, everyone knew CAF. <laughs> I mean, they, saw, they saw us and they saw our banner, but CAF was kind of like in the back a little bit. And they're like, where's CAF? Where's, where's the panda? Where's the panda? <laughs> so, you know, he truly has a following at this he-she <laughs> He, truly has a yeah. following. Kind of changes genders during the day. <laughs> it depends. Yeah. It yeah. depends on uh, how he feels. Yeah. And for the parade, uh, Panda actually brought a buddy because there were two pandas walking mm-hmm. around. Oh, there the were. Oh. Yeah, and uh, the new uh, dragon that I mentioned a little earlier was part of the parade as well. So some of those photos are online. Uh, I'm sure you can uh, find them either on uh, Facebook or the OCA website as well. So. And funny story about Cap's name. Um, I think it was in 2011, 2000, yes, 2011 when we uh, first um, 
bred calf into existence. <laughs> <laughs> I don't What's this from captivity preservation? Well, we, uh, yeah. <laughs> when we first uh, wished him into existence, um, we didn't really name him yet. Yeah. So, you know, and actually, I kind of had a stake in it. I was actually writing press releases for the Cleveland Asian Festival. And as a holder name, I wrote CAF for Cleveland Asian Festival, Panda. And uh, people assumed that calf was his name, and it kind of stuck. Well, so. it, it was a perfect name, so... <laughs> Uh, good job, Yen. Thank so. you. I mean, I've always wanted to change it to like Peter or. No, it's Calf is already stuck now. Ling Ling. Or Ping Ping. Or, um. Naruto? <laughs> You'll get sued for the name, remember. Actually, I think it means something else. Eh, just oh, cut right. it out. It doesn't matter. It's not even funny. Cuff Cuff. <laughs> so, anyway, Wayne, um, so you are a native Clevelander. Actually, I was born in Hong Kong, but I came oh. to the United States when I was three. And when I immigrated over, it was ex- it, you know we started living in Cleveland since then. So I've been here for a long time. Wow. Are you in the Kowloon side or the Hong Kong side? Kowloon. Kowloon. Side. Yeah. So, uh, what part of Cleveland did you grow up in? Uh, actually, uh, Asia Town, and mm-hmm. that's why uh, my participation in the festival, uh, along with OCA. Uh, actually means a lot to me, right? Because in the um, last several years, I've really seen the community grow and boom. And uh, uh, it just makes me really uh, happy to see that. And I want it to continue. Um, You know, there's a lot of bad press about Cleveland, about the inner city, uh, about the school systems. And there's a lot of, there's, there's some truth to that. But, you know, it's our city. It is what we want it to be, and we have to work at it. Mm-hmm. And I think um, all the volunteers, all of us in, in the studio that volunteer to try to uh, improve Asiatown and improve Greater Cleveland, you know, that's what motivates us. Um, I've been part of the city most of my life. Um, I've gone to school here, a product of the Cleveland Public School Systems. I went mm-hmm. to Case Western Reserve University, which is local. And uh, I've made a career here, start my family here. And uh, I want this city to grow. I want it to be successful for my kids. Um, and a big part of it is to be able to expose the larger city to the cultures that um, I'm familiar with. That's right. And I think that's a big part of the mission of the Cleveland Asian Festival. So I'm just glad to be part of it and be able to uh, contribute to that as well. I think so are we. Almost all of us here have uh, have experience in Cleveland, or should I say have links you grew up here, right? Yes. So, and I went to Cleveland State and stayed at the dorms for several years. So, uh, yeah. you know, a lot of us have, you know, experienced life in this area, mm-hmm. especially uh, uh, that restaurant in um, uh, Wonton Gourmet. Oh, you yeah, know? yeah. When I was in college, it used to be open until 2 a.m. And I used to live down the road from it. Uh, she was probably three when I was... <laughs> Like less than a block away from it. And uh, a lot of uh, students at Cleveland State International, one, some of them were first introduced to Chinese food through that restaurant because, well, you, you, you know, know, we drove there at yeah, 12 well, midnight. <laughs> what's interesting is um, all these businesses, they, 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 they've grown and developed over time. But when I first moved to the United States, um, my grandfather had a restaurant, and there was like one other restaurant that I knew of when I was young, a Chinese restaurant, I should say. It was just the two of them within this this area. Yeah. But then, um, you know, Li Wah uh, at Asia Plaza grew, uh, started up. 
other pockets of businesses started uh, uh, growing, and then now we have Asian Town Center. Uh, we have uh, Full Row. Of course, That's they pronounce right. it Full Row just so that Full. it uh, <laughs> uh, uh, rhymes. But we have all these new businesses springing up, and um, you know, it's it's all fueled by the influx of immigrants, uh, Asian immigrants in particular, into the city of Cleveland. Um, there are some very interesting statistics out there about how the population in Cleveland has been declining mm -hmm. uh, for the last several decades based on census data. What's interesting is that the Asian community and Asian people is the exception. That's where the population is actually expanding and growing. Um, so the impact of the Asian community is going to be felt more and more uh, as the years go by. Um, one of the interesting statistics I saw is that uh, in the state of Ohio, uh, uh, there are more um, employees that are employed by Asian-owned businesses than any other ethnic group other wow. than Caucasians, mm -hmm. right? So um, there's a lot of positive aspects to that, and, uh, uh, you know, we need to make the larger community uh, aware of those types of positive impacts uh, from the Asian community. So it's not just about, you know, restaurants and those types of things. These are other businesses that are Asian-owned as well. That's right. So... Um before we end our uh, interview session today, we're getting close to the top of the hour. We're going to ask you what your favorite Asian dish is. Yes. And I know it's going to be so hard to pick just one. I know. <laughs> just one, way. <laughs> if you can narrow it down. How about a meal? Right? Okay. Uh, as All opposed right. to a dish, um, I've always told my kids this. Uh, during, uh, As part of our uh, New Year celebration, Asian Chinese New Year celebration, uh, my family typically has two meals. One that that we we uh, say closes out the old year, mm -hmm. and then after the the actual new year, we have another one that opens up the new year. Wow. And those two dishes, um, those two meals, are, have always been my favorite. Is that on the same night or no? No, they're, 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 they're separate nights. So <laughs> okay. one one is one is actually before the new year, and then ah. the other one is once you get ah. into the new year, you gotcha. have another meal. Uh, because my my mom and parents, actually, say my parents, not just my mom. My dad definitely contributes. They they just uh, do an awesome job in terms of basically preparing a feast for uh, my family, my larger family, which includes my brother's family, uh, my family as well, and it has some of my favorite dishes mm. um, um, in it, uh, things that I've grown up with and uh, have always enjoyed. So those are my favorite meals. It's kind of like uh, to me. Chinese New Year or Lunar New Year is is like so many of our Western holidays kind of rolled into one. Yeah. It's kind of like Thanksgiving because <laughs> we Christmas. eat we eat like crazy. It's kind of like Christmas, yes. right? Because uh, during New Year's we give the traditional red envelopes, the home mm -hmm. bows. Uh, so it's kind of like giving gifts all the time. Uh, but we also uh, in in traditional uh, Asian culture, years our age is counted based on uh, the number of. Uh, New Year's, mm. you mm -hmm. you see, so a, a baby that is first born, they're not born at zero age. They're born at one. Right. And then at the next New Year, they're two years two. old at that point. So it's kind of like a birthday from that perspective. Of course, you know, it's kind of like New Year because it is, it is the New, New Year. Year yeah. so. <laughs> so if you didn't celebrate, if you're just celebrating Chinese or Lunar New Year at a later age, that means your age begins there. So for me, it's like five years old. So I'm five. <laughs> <laughs> It can be confusing. Right? Oh, can be confusing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, which is partly why uh, China actually tried to do away with the 
Chinese New Year, and they、oh. they, they they renamed it the Spring Festival. Oh, yeah. And and that was all motivated by trying to get the people to adopt the Gregorian calendar and and just consider January first as being the new year. So they try to even change the name of the Lunar New Year. But I think they wised up in the last、uh, you know number of years or decade because they realize you、It、know it's, well, well it's not <laughs> working, but it's actually a huge money maker. Oh, during Chinese New Year. You know, everyone is out spending their money, going to restaurants, celebrating. So there's a huge economic reason why、mm. they want to keep that tradition up at this point. Buying fireworks, Johnny. Oh, fireworks、yeah. is key. He spent his entire allowance on fireworks as a kid. That was a, when I was a kid. No, no, no. I don't get home bombs anymore. No, no. Oh, really? I heard someone、that. got a huge amount of home bombs several too, months ago. Johnny, yeah, he, true. This person went out to dinner and treated everyone except us. Yeah, you guys were not there with us. So no, that's we your problem.、Not. But anyway, Wayne, this meal that you're talking about—the the meal at the end of the year and the beginning of the year—what kind of dishes does that entail? Well, so、uh, certainly one of our favorites is lobster.、Um, oh, so know, my, it's whatever you want. Well, it's it's my dad. My dad makes the lobster. So、oh. so、uh, I mean, when I say feast, there's typically like ten, twelve different、uh, dishes、oh, that、trace. they prepare. Yeah. So so、uh, my dad does a. Awesome job in terms of cooking lobster Chinese style. So it's not、mm-hmm. it's not just steaming it or boiling it.、Um, uh, even it even though there's some controversy over this,、uh, <laughs> you know, in the past, my parents also made shark fin soup,、oh. which I actually enjoy. I like it, but of course, <laughs> it's one of those dishes that has a lot of controversy at this point because of、um, how the dish is,、uh, I'll say, cultivated from the sharks. Uh, but that's always been a favorite as well. All right. Well, it looks like <laughs> we are at the top of our hour. Thank you so much for coming in here, Wayne. It was my pleasure. And、uh, for those of you listeners, don't forget to come to the Cleveland Asian Festival on May seventeenth and eighteenth. We're、uh, looking forward to you. Yes, the website is clevelandasianfestival.org. Thank you, and see you next week. Bye bye. Bye. Take care. <laughs>